A note of warning, this podcast explores graphic and disturbing stories and includes strong language. It therefore may not be suitable for our young listeners or other folks who may find it disturbing. Hello and welcome to True Crime Daily, the podcast, bringing you high-profile and under-the-radar cases from across the country for the week of June 28th, 2019. I'm Billy Jensen, and this is Owen Michael. Hello. This week, a surprise outburst during a gruesome murder and abduction trial in Nebraska clears the court. A Florida woman estranged from her family reappears to reconcile, but ends up wreaking havoc. And no one knows why. But first, a college student is missing in Salt Lake City, and police weren't sure if maybe she doesn't want to be found. But now, there's a new development. Owen, what's going on in Salt Lake City with the case of Mackenzie Luke? This is the case... Uh, that's been about uh, two, two and a half weeks now. Uh, Mackenzie Lewick is a 23-year-old senior pre-nursing student at the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. She's from El Segundo, California, a city in the L.A. area near the beach. She's been missing since June 17th. According to Salt Lake City Police, Mackenzie Lewick flew from El Segundo to Salt Lake City, arriving early on the morning of June 17th, a Monday, at 1.35 a.m. She was returning from her grandmother's funeral. She texts her mom at 2.01 a.m., then she orders a lift for a ride to Hatch Park, which is a city park in uh, North, North Salt Lake City. She gets in her lift at about uh, 2.42 a.m. and is dropped off at 2.59 a.m. at Hatch Park, about nine w- miles away from her residence. Driver tells Mackenzie, uh, excuse me, the driver tells police that Mackenzie met someone in a vehicle there, but he didn't get a good look at the person or what kind of car it was. The Lyft driver went on and picked up more rides, police confirm, and the driver is not considered a person of interest. Police have not released further details of the unidentified person or the vehicle. No cameras are located in the park. Mackenzie Lewick did not appear to be in distress, according to the driver, but she has not returned to her residence since she arrived in the city almost two weeks ago. Her phone has not been used, and she has not been on social media that police can determine. She has missed a midterm exam. Uh, she was reported missing on Thursday, June 20th, three days after she arrived that Monday morning. She's missed a flight back to California this last Sunday on June 23rd. Police say there is no evidence, however, of foul play. Yeah. This week, police appealed to her directly in case she's intentionally off the grid. They said, please reach out. We just want to make sure that you are safe and we will respect your wishes, said Salt Lake City Assistant Police Chief Tim Doubt. Tim Doubt. That's a hell of a name for a police chief. Quoting that all day. Yeah. Uh, Police have released surveillance video from one of the baggage terminals inside Salt Lake City International Airport from the early morning she arrived, showing her using her phone. Police confirmed that she was texting. She doesn't appear distressed. And it's always good to to see what she was actually wearing Mm -hmm. that night. So it's good that they put that out there. She leaves the terminal with a big purse, a small backpack, and a medium-large roller bag suitcase. She's wearing a white hooded sweater, baggy yoga pants, and flip-flop sandals, the typical things that you wear Mm -hmm. on a flight. Comfort. Now, Hatch Park is a city park. It's surrounded by houses, a baseball diamond, playground, tennis courts, sand volleyball, benches, trees, big grass field. And consulting a map, you'll see it's 200 feet away from Interstate Interstate, uh, 15, uh, the exit for Interstate 15. So police obtained a search warrant for her phone records. And we're seeking warrants for bank and social media accounts. So police want to know, who did she meet? Obviously, this is the big question there. And does Mackenzie have an alternate phone, a burner phone that nobody knows about? Is she on social media accounts that nobody knows about? Did she intentionally disappear? Or did she come up, come down to foul play? And mm-hmm. obviously, the family said this is foul play. 
the, the, you know, the police are being a little bit more cagey about it. On Wednesday of this week, Salt Lake City Police announced that they had spoken to the person who was texting with McKenzie while she was still at the airport. Police did not identify the person, only to say the person is not considered a person of interest or a suspect at this time. Police did not reveal what the texting was about or how long it lasted. They also would not comment whether McKenzie was communicating with anyone else that morning. Wednesday morning, a sorority sister of McKenzie's posted a Facebook video with the hashtag FindMcKenzie. Quote, we are looking for you. I hope you're okay, even if you're laughing on the couch somewhere about this. I hope you at least tell someone you're okay. Police were following up on at least 200 tips so far this week. It was an odd message from the from the sorority sister that was uh, I was struck by that. It was kind of a weird tone to take. Uh, then Salt Lake City Police searched a house overnight Wednesday this week. Thursday morning, they declared the 31-year-old homeowner uh, is a person of interest, but he was released after questioning. He was not publicly identified. It's not clear what led police to this particular house in Salt Lake City. It happens to be listed on Airbnb, according to the Deseret News newspaper. Airbnb said Thursday the listing is not active. Salt Lake, police, Salt Lake City Police Chief Mike Brown announced Thursday that police are now looking for a mattress and a box spring. That's never good. He said the homeowner listed the items on the Let Go app for buying and selling used items five days ago for free. Someone picked up the items, but as of Thursday morning, police had not tracked those things down. They are asking for the public's help to locate the bed and the box spring. Police searched the house overnight, including digging holes in the backyard, and a car was towed from the scene. Bags of evidence were also taken from the house. The house is uh, roughly about five miles uh, away from Hatch Park, where Mackenzie was dropped off and last seen, seen getting into that car. There's been unconfirmed reports and speculation from friends that Mackenzie Lewick was on a dating app used to, for connecting with wealthy older men. The Utah Domestic Violence Coalition has responded uh, publicly defending her and calling these reports a blatant form of victim blaming. Neighbors said police were going through a burn pile on the property of the searched house and said the homeowner was burning uh, strong-smelling fires in recent days. This morning, friends of Mackenzie Lewick notified police that there was activity on her Instagram account. Fox 13, Fox 13, Fox News, and the New York Post all report that Mackenzie, Mackenzie's account liked a page, presumably she liked a post, of an account uh, called Fatherless. The Fatherless bio reads simply, I got daddy issues. There are 113 posts, all featuring full-figured women in bikinis and lingerie, mostly taken from behind, and most of the captions are a basic format of tag a bro who would, followed by off-color descriptions. The account, which only follows 15 people, does not follow Mackenzie's account. Her friends took screenshots and forwarded them to police. So that sort of gives a little bit of, uh, That's, I don't a, know if hope is the right word, but uh, it's obviously a, a, a clue that police can, can, can look at. There's a, I mean, there's a, anytime you're looking for a mattress and a box spring and you've got fires and now this this strange liking of an Instagram post, there's a lot of weird, troubling things that are going on here. I hope she's safe. But uh, it sounds like police have turned from she's safe into there's something else going on here. The fact that uh, all this evidence is being taken away from this house definitely does yeah. not uh, it does not look good. No, it, do- it doesn't. So we're going to go to um, Florida. Um And as we do in Florida, Alyssa Torres, 29 years old, was arrested Monday morning at 1030 in Fort Pierce, Florida, which is a coastal city about halfway between Miami 
um, and Orlando uh, on the Atlantic side. She's accused of shooting her stepfather, Felix Rivera, 54 years old, and her eight-year-old daughter, Alyssa's uh, 53-year-old mother, was injured but survived and called 911. Police say she was not shot. Uh, She was hospitalized with uh, non-life-threatening injuries. Torres' daughter and stepfather were both shot in the head at their Port St. Lucie apartment shortly after midnight on Monday morning. Police considered her armed and dangerous during the search. She was arrested about 10 miles away from her apartment. Felix Rivera was found in the master bedroom. The eight-year-old girl was found on the floor of the guest room. The girl's grandmother was sitting on the stairs with injuries to her head when police arrived. A next-door neighbor had heard the commotion and rushed over as well. Alyssa's mother, who's the girl's grandmother, identified as Marisol Rivera, told police that both she and Alyssa couldn't sleep earlier that night. She said Alyssa gave her two sleeping pills. It was not clear if Alyssa also took the sleeping pills. So Marisol Rivera woke up later to a loud pop, she said. She found her husband, Felix, next to her, shot in the head and unresponsive. She said she saw a dark figure in the room, her daughter. Alyssa then allegedly pistol-whipped her with the handgun, then left. Marisol said she heard uh, yelling, then a gunshot, then saw Alyssa driving away in her SUV. Police say they found uh, Alyssa at a rental home in Fort Pierce. The house is in an expensive neighborhood with big yards just feet from the ocean. A 67-year-old man who lives at the house there told T.C. Palm, a local newspaper, that he was awake on the computer at about 2.30 a.m. when he heard knocking at the door. He opened the door to a woman standing there completely naked. He got her a T-shirt and a bathrobe. Uh, I started asking questions, and I got crazy responses, he told the newspaper. He said she wanted to sleep, so he let her, and he went outside to find her SUV with the door open with the gun and keys inside. He moved the vehicle. He said by 9.30 Monday morning, he knew that she was wanted by police. He said police arrived with 10 officers pointing guns at him. So Alyssa Torres is charged with two counts of murder and aggravated battery with a deadly weapon. She reportedly confessed to police to shooting her family members and has been cooperating during the investigation, according to Port St. Lucie Police. She said she had taken Felix Rivera's gun from his bedroom closet and hid it. She said she waited until everyone in the house was asleep, then shot Felix. She said she intended to kill her mother, too, but the mom fought back. She confessed she then killed her eight-year-old daughter. A motive has not been determined. She doesn't have a criminal record. Police say Alyssa Torres had been living at the residence for at least two months. An older half-sister of the eight-year-old girl told WPTV that the little girl hadn't seen her mother in two years, saying Alyssa Torres had cut off her family. We don't know where she lives. We don't know anything about her, said the older half-sister. A woman who had worked with Alyssa Torres about two years ago at a woman's health clinic told WPTV she remembered Torres as happy and upbeat. Quote, she was always bubbly and giddy. She was always laughing at everything. There was never anything that I heard that would throw red flags out. My mind immediately thought of, uh, you've heard stories about people taking prescription sleeping pills and things like that and doing uh, wild uh, wild stuff. Obviously, it's uh, all speculation, but um, yeah. uh, we don't know whether she took some sleeping pills as well. But uh, this is, uh, obviously, there's a weird background going on. Some, yeah. But uh, that's, that's some unexplained events there. So uh, we'll keep you updated as soon as we know more on that. Uh, in the meantime, we've got... Uh, New stories for you every week. We uh, we put a new podcast out every Friday. You can subscribe to us here on True Crime Daily on uh, YouTube on, and on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Also, you can give us a call at 888-548-9758. Share your comments or your questions, and we'll run them here on the air and answer them. Add your voice to the conversation. Now we're going to go to a case in Nebraska. Sidney Loof 
was a 24-year-old store clerk at a home proven store in Lincoln, Nebraska. She went missing in November 2017 after setting up a date for that night on Tinder. It was to be her second date with the same person. About a month later, her remains were found. 13 pieces of her body were found in separate locations around Clay County, Nebraska, wrapped in plastic trash bags and dumped in ditches along gravel roads. Her upper arm has yet to be recovered. She was initially identified by a tattoo. The prosecutor said there were no organs found during the autopsy. Further evidence found at the scenes included a sex toy, a dog leash, wads of duct tape, and plastic sheets smeared with blood. A sauna suit with its crotch cut out uh, was found. A cell phone was also found at some of the locations animals had gotten into the bags. Sidney Loof had set up a date with a 25-year-old woman named Bailey Boswell, who lives in Wilbur, Nebraska, which is a town of about 2,000 people 40 miles south of Lincoln. Except Bailey Boswell went by the name Audrey on Tinder. It was to be the second date for the two women in two nights. They had already exchanged about 140 messages. Sydney posted a Snapchat, a Snapchat story on November 15th, 2017, saying she was going out on a date. That night was the second date between the two. Uh, Sydney missed a work shift on November, no, of November 16th. Excuse me. Her mother then reported her missing. Now, Bailey Boswell lives with a man named Aubrey Trail, who's 52 years old in Wilbur. Aubrey Trail and Bailey Boswell were seen on surveillance video at a Home Depot in Lincoln hours before the scheduled second date, and they were purchasing tools. The prosecutor says they bought a hacksaw, tin snips, a utility knife, and drop cloths. Prosecutors also say that same day, Aubrey Trail went to the Menard store where Sydney worked, but did not interact with her there. Phone records show he then called Boswell. In court Thursday, a Lincoln police investigator testified that Trail and Boswell had checked into a motel in Lincoln near the Maynards on November 14th, about an hour and a half after they checked in. Police say Bailey Boswell left and went to Sydney's apartment, messaged her that she was there, and that was their first date. So Aubrey Trail and Bailey Boswell are both accused of murdering Sydney Loof, then dismembering her and disposing of her remains. Three days after Sydney disappeared, police executed a search warrant at the apartment where Trail and Boswell live. The landlord told police there uh, had been a very strong odor of bleach for the last two days. Investigators found tin snips and a hatchet at the apartment and a package for a sauna suit, as well as cameras and zip ties. They also found a book called The Human Body Atlas, an anatomy book. Investigators say data from Bailey Boswell's two cell phones shows that she drove 150 miles there and back from their Wilbur apartment to the area of Edgar, Nebraska, a town of about 500 people, around where Loof's, uh, Sydney Loof's remains were later found. On uh, they drove, they took that drive on November 16th. Aubrey Trail claims that Sydney was accidentally killed while they were filming a consensual sex fantasy, saying she was strangled to death. An autopsy did confirm that Sydney did die from strangulation. He says Sidney Loof's death was an accident, but he tried to hide her death in her body because police would never believe him, a felon previously convicted for forgery and passing bad checks. Uh, which doesn't really make sense, though, because he was out at the Home Depot buying stuff before the date. Damning evidence. Yeah. Maybe he was he was going to say that, that that was for this this movie that they were filming. Trail is, uh, he pled guilty to improper disposal of her remains, but he pled not guilty to murder and conspiracy before Trail... I've been charged, he told the Omaha World Herald newspaper, try me, charge me, let's get justice for Sidney Loof. From jail, he told the Lincoln Journal Star newspaper in February, I killed Sidney Loof. I'm accountable. I physically am the one who caused the end of her life. Me and only me. Sidney Loof should not have died. 
I deserve life or death. I'm guilty. I did it. The prosecutors say Trail had planned for weeks to lure a woman through social media to kill. Aubrey Trail's court-appointed attorney said that Sidney Loof had agreed to participate in the filming of, quote, sexual asphyxiation with Trail and two other women because she needed the money Trail had offered. Trail maintained she died accidentally and that Boswell was passed out on drugs in another room when Sidney died. He said he choked Sidney with an extension cord. Police say the couple drove around, throwing evidence out the windows of Trail's car. So prosecutors say Trail tried to get a coded letter to Boswell in jail that related what their, quote, story should be, that they had planned to make money selling killing, torture, and sex videos with consensual partners. But he reportedly wrote, quotes, now you know it was all lies and that I planned to kill someone all along. During his murder trial, Trail has uh, had two heart attacks and a stroke. He's been attending court in a wheelchair. He did not speak in court all last week. On Monday, however, he suddenly yelled, Bailey is innocent. I curse you all. Then he slashed his neck three or four times with what's described as possibly a sharpened pen or a piece of razor blade. It's unclear what exactly the item was. He fell down bleeding and deputies grabbed him. The judge cleared the court and Trail was hospitalized. His injuries were not serious, only requiring stitches. One of Trail's attorneys said Trail would be back in court this week. As of Thursday, that had not happened. The, George, excuse me, the judge ordered Trail to be handcuffed if he should return. She told the jury to ignore the incident mm. and said she would speak individually to each member. She also told them to ignore uh, media reports about the, about the incident. Boswell faces trial for murder and other charges in October. Prosecutors are seeking the ben- death penalty for both of them. Yes. So that's hard to uh, ignore. Uh, you know, obviously that's, that seems like a play for a mistrial to me um, or some dramatic uh, romantic gesture or something. But uh, it, it would be difficult for a juror to not. Yeah, you're not you can't ignore that. It's kind of tough. pretty but... dramatic. Whether that happens in the, in the middle of the street or a courtroom or whatever. That's yeah, uh, that's 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 pretty crazy stuff. So uh, we will update you uh, when we have more on that. Obviously, go to TrueCrimeDaily.com and True Crime Daily on Facebook for yes. updates on that. Speaking of which. Speaking of which, we get comments. We do get comments. We get a lot of comments. We, we try to read all of them. And uh, this is an update uh, of a story from last week. If you remember, the uh, attack squirrel uh, that apparently so, was... So-called meth-fueled Meth-fueled attack, attack squirrel. Yeah, well, yeah. the deputies arrested the man who allegedly had this meth-fueled attack squirrel. Deputies searched an apartment after they received tips about an attack squirrel being fed meth. They found the meth, and um, it, a lot of people are still commenting on this story. As if a squirrel would survive, ridiculous. I've seen video of the squirrel, and he looks loved, said Coco D. They are using this man's past to make these absurd claims... The squirrel was just protecting his person from the police. Well, uh, in case you missed last week's uh, episode, the guy did go on Facebook video or Facebook Live, and he said, "My squirrel is not on meth. Yeah, uh, probably killed the squirrel. Obviously, uh, any kind of logical explanation there, but um, yeah. Uh, so, for the record, the, the squirrel was not on meth. Is not on meth. Yeah. Uh, however, they have not been able to." Perform a drug test on the squirrel. No, they have not as yet. They have not. But uh, so he's caught. Yeah, and they, the photo looks like he was uh, sort of chased down in a yard. Or it looks like, like that. he was. It looks it's, like something out so of we're talking out about of cops. He was going to uh, surrender to police as soon mm-hmm. as he had arranged for safe passage right. for the squirrel. But uh, it looks like they caught up with him. Yeah. So we've have we have another story that actually got a ton of comments. It's also animal related. Man accused of killing Pinky the flamingo mm-hmm. dies after getting hit by a truck in mm-hmm. 2016. He was vis- visiting Bush Gardens in Tampa Bay. With his family, when he grabbed Pinky 
and threw her to the ground, nearly ripping one foot off, witnesses told police. The commenters were not kind. What happened to him this week? Uh, He was hit by a car. Hmm. Ray M. said, I'm sure his family is sad, but I can't help but praise the universe for doling out justice. Jennifer T. said, I need the driver's name and address to send him a thank you card. Joan L. says, punishment that fit his crime, karma at its finest, and for all to see is the best part. But, you know, Autumn M. said, so you're all sad an animal was killed but not a human? I'm not surprised. Uh, uh, Rebecca D. said, uh, OMG, are you people serious? This is a human we're speaking of. He was a father, a son, uncle, brother. Somebody loved him. I'm not saying he was right for hurting the bird, but nobody should, should who lose a life should laugh at or wish death because of that. You people are worse than him. Hmm. So it uh, there was a there, there's I mean, animal news it, gets a lot of uh, feedback. Animal news gets a lot of feedback. You'll also notice on True Crime Daily there were a lot of really horrific bad parent and bad daycare stories this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, about the it, I mean, it's, I don't know what's going on, but it was, there's just, it seems like every other one, there's a, a child in, in peril. Uh, it does not make you, um, it does not make for necessarily uplifting uh, reading, but it's something that you, that you need to see. And whenever we get that, those comments are always very, very uh, charged. Nothing like, uh, you know, uh, doing crimes against children that, no. uh, you know, helpless children and obviously animals as well, that uh, the, the helpless and defenseless yes. uh, really brings out the, the, the protective instinct in a lot of our communities yes. and, you know, humanity at large. So obviously the big the biggest story uh, right now is the Mackenzie Lewick story. Go to True Crime Daily. We're going to be updating that. Go to the Facebook page. We're going to be updating that story. Sounds like some uh, leads are soon to come. Yeah. The, so. At least next week. And you can also check out our content on YouTube and Facebook and truecrimedaily.com. And don't forget to download our weekly podcast on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Also, if you have comments or questions about the show, you can call us up and leave a message at 888-548-9758. We'd love to hear from you and be advised your recording may be aired in any of our future podcasts. So until next week, this is True Crime Daily, the podcast reminding you, don't do crimes. See you next week. 